This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. If you go to our mortgage team's website, you'll find hundreds of testimonials of real Christian radio listeners we've helped. Laura here is a recent friend who is kind enough to share a few words with her local station. I was actually referred to United Faith Mortgage through my mother-in-law. We decided it was time for us to start looking for a house, and I reached out to Kelly. And we found several houses we liked, but, you know, with the seller's market, things kept falling through. But anytime we needed her, she was there for us. She got everything we needed as soon as we asked for it, and she made it work. She made sure that if that was the house that our family wanted, we were going to get that house. They're a wonderful company, and we're just really blessed that we found them in the process, that they helped us get through it, and we are in the home of our dreams, and and our family is so happy. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Have you ever taken a close look at the $1 bill, more specifically at the back of the dollar bill? It holds clues about the founding of the United States that still have meaning today. Hi, I'm Rob West. Today on MoneyWise, we discover the dollar bill's imagery and symbolism with economist Jerry Boyer. He's done the homework, and you'll be fascinated by what he's found. Then it's on to your questions at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, where biblical principles guide our financial decisions. All right, my good friend Jerry Boyer is the chief economist at Vident Financial. Lately, when not on the Fox Business Channel or writing articles for townhall.com, he's been staring intently at the dollar bill. Jerry, welcome back to the program. <laughs> Great to be with you. You better explain why I'm staring at dollar bills. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe I'll let I you uh, do the explaining. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's actually a good time for folks to dig out a dollar bill and look at the back of it. Now, I've got mine right here, and let's get one thing out of the way. We're not talking about secret symbols of the Illuminati or the Freemasons, right? No, we're not. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's almost impossible to have conversations about the actual history yeah. of um, the the Great Seal, which is what you find on the back of the dollar bill, without having that kind of like overnight AM radio lizard people, Illuminati conspiracy right. kind of thing, like running in the back of our head. Um, and um, the fact is, this isn't hidden history, as they like to call it. This is just history. We have a lot of, you know, historical records from the period of the founding of the United States. We know why Congress wanted this done. We know who they asked to do it. Um, And we know some of the earlier sketches and we know who ended up doing it. And we know what he meant because he said what he meant. So um, we can kind of leave the QAnon stuff aside for a moment and just do some actual history. Now, it's not well known because... You know, reading history is hard work, uh, but it's not it's not um, unknown because it's a secret conspiracy. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And I'm glad we established that on the front end. All right, let's dive in. So we're going to begin with heraldry. What's its significance on the dollar? 
Well, what you have on the back of the dollar are the two sides of the Great Seal, and they're examples of heraldry, and, and heraldry is a medieval idea. And I'm not sure that people understand how very much the Founding Fathers were influenced by medieval ideas, by medieval symbolism. Um, I mean, even to the choice of the colors, red, white, and blue, which paralleled uh, some earlier, like knights, in, you know, in the, in the era of, uh, of chivalry. Yeah. So um, the patterns are heraldic patterns, which means they use symbolism. And there's a kind of a vocabulary that you know in advance. Like, we don't know that because most people don't know anything about heraldry. Although I know a few people who know their family seal yeah. and talk to people about it, but most don't. And so we don't know that blue and heraldry symbolizes justice or stars symbolize uh, authority or power or pyramids symbolize perfection. We just don't know that language. We, you know, we just don't do a lot of that anymore. But the people who did this um, did know that language. Um, and the, uh, the Congress asked someone with an expertise in heraldry to basically create these images which symbolize the philosophy of the foundation of the United States. Mm, yeah, very helpful. All right, uh, there's a lot to cover. We're going to move quickly. What's the meaning, Jerry, behind the pyramid in the Great Seal of the United States that we see on the back of the dollar bill? Well, there's a lot interesting in the pyramid, and one of the most interesting things is that it's a four-sided pyramid rather than a three-sided pyramid. Hmm. And a four-sided pyramid is more stable than a three-sided pyramid, just like a four-sided stool is more stable than a three-sided stool. Harder to knock over. So they were saying that they thought that the United States, at its foundation, had a certain stable foundation. Down hmm. at the very bottom level, you have um, Roman numerals, M, C, C, L, M. You don't have to add them up. I'll add, add them up for you. They add up to 1,776. Mm-hmm. 1776, yes. meaning the Declaration of Independence. So they're saying the nation was founded on certain principles. Those principles are summarized in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that is the foundation of the American Republic. A history lesson with Jerry Boyer today, looking at the dollar bill. If you haven't gotten yours out yet, do that now. We're going to pause for a brief break. This is Money Wise Live, where biblical wisdom meets today's financial decisions. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. Jerry Boyer, my guest today. Jerry's an economist and a frequent contributor on Fox Business Channel, and you'll find his writing at townhall.com. Uh, today, we're talking about the dollar bill. He's giving us a bit of a history lesson about the founding of the United States and all the imagery and what we can learn from the back of a dollar bill. If you haven't gotten your dollar bill out yet, do that now. Jerry, just before the break, you were talking about the pyramid, the four sides pyramid that uh, talked about the stability. Uh, it also uh, has um, references to the Constitution as well. Uh, there's a Latin phrase that we see on the back of the dollar bill, novos ordo seculorum. Uh, what does that mean? That means new order of the ages, which is not the same thing as new world order, 
So mm. let's just turn down our overnight AM radio conspiracy voice for a moment. Um, new, the, the idea of a new world order is something that comes much later. Um, this is almost the opposite of that vision. So what is the idea of a new world, new order of the world or new order of the ages? Yeah. The idea is that all the other nations before, with I'd say with the exception of Israel, were founded on ethnicity or founded on conquest or both. Um, so you're a certain race and that's your nation or your or you conquer others and that gives you a nation. This nation was built on ideas um, and the founding fathers um, thought, and I think they're correct to think so, that this had never been done before in the history of the world where there was an opportunity to build a nation and start with principles rather than start with race or conquest or just history or tradition. So that's what new mm. order of the ages means. I like that. Yeah, very helpful. Uh, Jerry, we were talking about the pyramid, this four-sided pyramid, which you said was very intentional. Uh, we noticed something about the pyramid. It's incomplete. Why is that? Because the nation was incomplete, because the founding fathers, for all the attacks on them about, you know, their blind spots regarding slavery and the rights of women, et cetera, they knew they were falling short. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of Christian influence there. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be founded on Jesus, but I fall short. My pyramid is not complete. Um, the main thing is that when you fall short, you say it and you try to amend your ways. The, the founding fathers knew that the pyramid was incomplete in that the, these, the, these inalienable rights had not been granted to everyone yet. So that's why the pyramid doesn't have a top. It's still being built. Um, and above it, there is um, a, an eye which is in a triangle, and yes. that triangle is complete. That triangle is perfect, and that represents God. Uh, now, sometimes Masons use the seeing eye of God, but they don't use it with a triangle. So this is not Masonic imagery. And so the eye of God, who is perfect, is looking down at America, which is imperfect, to see what it's going to do. Well, are we going to finish out this project and evaluating us? Hmm, fascinating. Uh, the all-seeing eye, yeah, it gets a lot of attention. Obviously, we've got light beams in the Great Seal as well. Anything else you'd want to say about the eye and the light beams? Well, the light beams almost always represent God in heraldry, yes. right? That yes. there's light, or divinity. Sometimes you get halos coming out of saints, um, and in this case, you have the glory cloud of God. And um, above, you have a, another Latin phrase. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Anuit queptus. He who, well, God, we see his eye, has smiled on our beginnings. In other words, it's the same idea. It's God looking down and saying, this is a good beginning that all men are created equal. Now I'm going to see whether you're going to grow into full adherence to the principles that you have built this new order of the ages on. Mm. Jerry, it's amazing that uh, as we walk around town with dollar bills in our pockets, we're walking around town with not only a history lesson, but a Bible lesson about a creator God. And no one really knows that, do they? They don't. And it's really fascinating. You know, um, the Congress basically gave the job of this to John Adams, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. They couldn't agree on which great seal to do. I, my favorite is Ben Franklin, who wanted to do something from the book of Exodus. Uh, mm. So much for Franklin, you know, not being biblically influenced. But they couldn't agree, and they didn't know heraldry, so it was given to someone named Elias Bidene. 
um, or Boudinet. And he, people forget him, he was a Christian apologist. Uh He wrote a book called The Age of Revelation to rebut Thomas Paine's atheistic age of reason. George Washington wanted Boudinet to write a refutation of the atheist views of Paine. Um, And Paine is remembered as a founder when the founders were actually hostile to his atheism. Um, But the man who uh, wrote an apologetics book in response is the one who gave us this basic symbolic representation of what I would call a Christian-based theology of the nation state. Mm, Fascinating. Jerry, what about the other side of the seal, the eagle? Very uh, foreign policy oriented. Um, And so you have the eagle. I mean, there's a lot going on here. E pluribus unum, from many, one. Boy, we can sure use that now. From many what? From many ethnicities, um, different states that were associated with different ethnicities, German or Irish, etc. One of the things that's really interesting about this is there's more biblical symbolism in that the eagle is holding olive branches, which is obviously a biblical symbol. Uh, you know, starting off with um, the uh, with the flood narrative yes, in, uh, sure. with Noah. Um, but notice, if you look closely, the eagle is facing towards the olive branches, not towards the arrows, which is a way of saying that America's default position should be peace mm. and only turn to war in defense when it's necessary. That's another lesson I think that uh, modern America has missed out on and become maybe sometimes a little bit more given to military intervention that isn't defense necessarily, but trying to change the world or build glory or build legacy. And this is saying, no, we should be a peace-loving nation above all, following the lesson of the the book of Genesis and Noah and the uh, olive tree symbolism. Mm, fascinating. Uh, Jerry, we uh, have just a minute or so left. Uh, tell us as we wrap up today, the connection behind the symbology of the dollar bill, freedom, and America's vast economic growth compared to other nations. Well, I think that we had an experiment, um, and the experiment is a nation built this way. Um, and the nation built this way was able to leapfrog over the whole rest of human civilization in terms of uh, human flourishing and a standard of living. And yes. I don't just mean stuff. I don't mean plasma TVs. I mean plunging infant mortality rates and longer lifespan, more flourishing. Um, and I look at the dollar and I wonder... Why has the dollar become the reserve currency of the world, even without a legal mandate? Mm. Why do people, why historically has the world trusted the dollar to maintain value more than any other currency? And I would say the answer is actually on the dollar itself. If you believe there are, there are um, inherently true things and that they involve the protection of property, that a nation built that way will not debase itself. It will not yes. debase its currency for its own purposes. Now, of course, we've departed from that, um, you know, in modern times. But the dollar itself should be a reminder to us of what's uh, the importance of sound currency, private property, rule of law, and the inherent dignity of all human beings, which are all interrelated ideas. Wow. Fascinating insights on the dollar bill. Jerry, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for the history lesson, my friend. Thanks for the opportunity to tell it. All right. Jerry Boyer, Chief Economist at Viden Financial, has been our guest today. You'll find his articles at townhall.com. Get your kids to sit down and listen to a replay of this later today. Hey, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, where biblical principles guide our financial decisions. 
Welcome back to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. So glad you're along with us today. We've got some phone lines open. We'd love to hear from you. 800-525-7000. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. We want to apply God's Word to whatever you're dealing with in your financial life today, whether it's giving or debt, investing, uh, perhaps you're trying to navigate this crazy housing market or you're thinking about refinancing your mortgage. Whatever it might be, we'd love to tackle it today. Again, the number, 800-525-7000. So thankful to have Jerry stop by today. Wasn't that fascinating? I could uh, listen to Jerry teach on history, <laughs> especially as it relates to money. And today's topic, the dollar bill, uh, I could listen for hours. I think it's just so interesting. Our Facebook question today was, what would you like to learn about about the symbols on the U.S. currency. And uh, Ed said, I'd love to know who determines what president and symbols actually go on money. And uh, Ed, uh, the answer actually is the Secretary of the Treasury is responsible for selecting whose images are found on U.S. bills and coins. And although uh, bills frequently are redesigned for primarily security purposes, the famous faces on them have remained the same since 1929. Uh, That's when a special Treasury committee selected them uh, due to their, quote, permanent familiarity in the minds of the public, according to the Treasury Department. So uh, the Treasury Department and more specifically, the Secretary of the Treasury is uh, responsible for selecting those. And uh, it is fascinating stuff. All right. We're going to take your calls today as we begin to dive in. We're going to start in Ohio with Marion. And Marion, what's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just trying to determine whether it makes sense for me to refinance my home. I am 67, working full time. Uh, I have, you know, it's a multifamily house, so it's a duplex. I live on one side and I have renters on the other. Currently have a four and a half percent and 18 years to pay off. Okay. okay, so my first place that I tried, I mean, there's stuff everywhere, but they're wanting to give me a 3.5% fixed rate, but 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then um, the closing costs, I'll get $3,500 out just for me. I don't have any credit card debt, but it's just $3,500. But with all the closing costs, that being said, it's an additional Ten thousand dollars, so it comes that I would be refinancing a hundred and seventy-five for hmm. thirty years. Does that make sense? I'm yeah. And, and not, what did you say your balance is today? One sixty-four. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, a big fan of that for a couple of reasons. Number one is um, I'd like for you to save at least a point in the interest. You've done that. I'd prefer for you to save a point and a half. Now, I realize because you're financing this duplex and that includes not only the portion that you're in, uh, but also the rental portion, you may not be able to get the most attractive rates out there. But uh, I'd still f- love for you to shop this around and see if you can't come up with you know, something that would get you around 3% so you could save a point and a half. I'd also like for you to look at a 20-year mortgage instead of a 30. Uh, even though that would add two years to the 18 you have remaining, you could get them to run the amortization schedule to tell you what you need to send every month to make it an 18-year payoff. Uh, but with that point and a half in uh, interest savings, that's going to be key. I'm going to, I really want you to commit to, if 
to the best of your ability, staying in this home uh, for at least five to seven years. If you don't think you can make that commitment, that would be a disqualifier for me. Um, beyond that, um, you know, you want to look really hard at the uh, closing costs. So on 168000 you know, I'd like for you to try to keep that at 2%. Uh, which would be around $3,500, not 10000 So I suspect what they're doing is they're giving you a higher interest rate, but then putting what are called discount points in there in addition to whatever loan origination and appraisal and doc fees and you know all the other things that they have in there. Uh, they're adding some discount points for you to buy that rate down. And it, you know it could be, again, because of the duplex, you're not going to find the very best rates. But I would want to make sure that uh, your closing costs are around that 2% number, 3% at the most. And I'd want to make sure you're saving at least a point in interest, which you should be able to do. And I'd like for you to go for that 20-year loan. If you can't find those things, um, I'd probably stick with what you've got. But uh, don't give up. I'd, I'd probably do a little bit more shopping. Perhaps look at some of the online lenders. Bankrate.com is a great website, uh, Marion, for you to uh, look and see who has the best programs right now, depending upon how much they have to lend and kind of how many, um, how hungry they are for the business. Very Various online banks will you know, have better programs than others at any given time. And so, you know, there's not one lender to go to. It really is just a matter of the type of loan you're looking for, who's going to give you the very best rate. And I'd always get at least three quotes before you make your final decision. Uh, is that helpful to you? Now, if it's very helpful. Um, if I was, if I really didn't think I was going to stay here five years, you would say no go, no matter what? I would simply because, well, I mean, you're going to need to run the numbers. It's just probably not going to be worth the hassle because the amount of time it's going to take for you in the form of reduced interest to repay the closing costs that you're going to have on any loan, you've got to you know stay in the home long enough for it to make sense for you to actually repay those closing costs and get kind of quote in the money so that you're actually realizing some savings. And if you sell it too quickly, you probably barely, if even at all, haven't paid off the uh, the closing costs yet. And at that point, it's just a big hassle that uh, really didn't accomplish anything. So that's why I'd really like for you to stay in that home five years. It's really a math equation you can run yourself. Once you know what loan program is the very best offer, you can determine, okay, how many months is it going to take me to pay off these expenses associated with refinancing and you know that'll be your break-even point and then from that point forward you'll be saving some money Uh, hopefully uh, that's helpful to you head over to bankrate.com let's get a few more offers marion and see what you can find and uh, maybe something will come up that makes some sense Uh, just pray about it and see where the lord leads we appreciate your call today Folks, thanks for stopping by today. We do have a few lines open, 800-525-7000. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, how do you handle an inheritance? Also, uh, when retirement's around the corner, what do you do with that 401k? That and much more on Money Wise Live. Stay with us. Applying the 2300 verses found in God's Word to your financial decisions. This is Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. So thrilled that you're along with us today. Hey, uh, we're getting close to a big milestone with the Money Wise app. We launched it just seven months ago after more than uh, a year and a half of development uh, with a team of developers building what I believe is the very best digital envelope system on the market. 
I couldn't find what I was looking for. So we said, you know what, we're going to build it ourselves. And we did. And I think it's the best one out there. In addition to the digital envelope system, we have our community in there where you can ask questions and our coaches are responding to them. Also, our Discover tab, where the very best content from the leading voices in Christian finance with podcasts and articles and videos all flowing in one place. That plus the CKA search, it's all in the MoneyWise app, which is a free download. Now, that milestone, 10,000 users. That's right. We're about to cross user number 10,000. And uh, if you're the 10,000th user, we're going to give you a one-year subscription to the uh, uh, MoneyWise app pro. And so um, go download it today. It's a free download. You'll find it in your app store, either the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Here's what you'll want to search for, MoneyWise Biblical Finance, and you can download it today. Hey, let's go back to the phones. Next up, St. Peter, Illinois. Warren is there, and uh, we appreciate your call today. Warren, what's on your mind? Well, uh, first off, I just want to thank you. Uh, I listen to you, uh, well, not every day, but as often as I can, and I really appreciate all the godly biblical advice on uh, Hmm. money and how to handle finances, and I really appreciate that, and that's one of the reasons for my call today. Uh, I need some uh, godly uh, perspectives on uh, what to do with the inheritance that I'm going to be receiving from my uh, deceased father's estate. Uh, He passed away back in August of last year, and I was uh, named the executor of his estate, and uh, I'm going to have a meeting with my lawyer next week, and we're going to uh, finalize and wrap this up, and the inheritance is going to be divided in half between uh, my sister and I, and it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a little bit over approximately $220,000, maybe just a little bit more than that, but that's a a ballpark figure. Mm. And anyway, uh, I owe about, I think it's like $62,000 on my mortgage yet. Okay. And I need to know if I need to uh, pay that off or continue to make payments so that I can deduct the interest for tax purposes, or uh, I just want to make sure I invest if I should do it in the stock market or or what I should do, because I'm going on 59 years old, and if God blesses me with 20 or 30 uh, more years of life, I want to be able to uh, uh, provide needs for my family. I'm unable to work right now because I had uh, an issue with... uh, cataract and glaucoma in my eye, and it okay. uh, rendered me uh, almost blind in my right eye, and so I, mm. I used to drive a semi-truck, and I'm unable to mm. do that right now, so I'm not working. Yes, sir. Very good. Well, uh, I really appreciate your call today. Thank you for your kind remarks about the program. And uh, I think this is the right question to ask. You know, as you think about the resources that God is entrusting to you uh, by way of this inheritance, you want to make a wise decision. You want to be found faithful with God's money, applying His principles to your financial decisions and trying to move forward uh, with peace of mind and confidence, knowing you know, you're handling God's money appropriately. Uh, you mentioned you have about 62000 remaining on your mortgage. You're 59 years old, not working. 
Um, currently, uh, perhaps that could change, Lord willing, uh, down the road. Uh, but what did you say you would expect to see receive your portion of the inheritance, Warren? Uh, for mine, it would be just a little, about maybe $221,000 approximately. And then okay. the total amount is 442000 yes. and something in the uh, estate account, and that gets divided. Okay. Uh, do you have any other debt other than the home mortgage? No, that is it, other than my wife's credit card, but we are working on uh, paying it off. I've paid a good substantial amount to it, and every time she uses it, we've been trying to pay the monthly charges plus a little bit more than that to whittle away on that. But that is the only two uh, debts that we have. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And what about other assets, either emergency fund savings and or any other retirement nest eggs? Uh, well, all I have is just a thousand dollars in a uh, just a savings account in our local bank, and that's the only nest egg I have right now. Because for many many years I was very very bad at managing money. I was a practicing alcoholic, and now I am, and I squandered lots of money. And uh, by the grace of God, I found AA, and I've been sober for a little over four years now, and so that's why I'm uh, trying to do things God's way instead of my way. Well, I'm delighted to hear that, Warren. I'll tell you, uh, we can lay all of that at the foot of the cross, and uh, Jesus uh, washes our sins clean, and we can purpose our lives to uh, pursue Him with everything that we have and uh, be among the body of Christ and diligent in studying His Word and grow in our relationship with Him and overcome even the stronghold of addiction. Uh, And I'm delighted to hear you say that you've been able to do that. Um, If you were to take this money and invest it, let's say between now and retirement, here's what I would love to see. One of two things. Either um, if you have a low interest rate, let's say, you know, something less than 4%, um, and you would be comfortable putting this money to work such that, you know, you could uh, have this mortgage paid off by the time you fully retire, uh, but get this 221000 working for you so you can begin to grow it and have a, a nest egg that's something larger than that amount uh, when you reach retirement uh, so that you could use that to convert it to an income stream to supplement retirement. And if you're living, excuse me, Social Security, and if you're living modestly, you know, perhaps that covers your bills. Uh, you would you know, keep the principal intact, draw an income off of that, you know, whatever that 221000 grows to over the next, you know, let's say, you know, five to 10 years between, you know, now and when you hit that season, um, you know, that would be option one. But I think the counterpoint to that is to say, you know, if because of your health situation, if you don't think you're going to be working and therefore have the money to be putting away in addition to this, and you would need then to take a very conservative posture with the uh, investments because you're going to need it, you know, in five years or less. And, you know, you don't have a whole lot else to fall back on, to, you know, really anything to speak of, then I think the trade-off is, is not as great. In fact, I like the idea of you paying off that mortgage better in that scenario because you get the peace of mind, you get the security, 
and you know you're guaranteed the return equivalent to whatever that interest rate is today. Um, so I think from that standpoint, that's the direction I'd go. Once you pay it off, you've still got $160,000 to put to work. And with that, I would connect with a certified kingdom advisor there in St. Peter, uh, Illinois, and uh, see if they can develop an investment strategy for you. So let's do this. I want to talk a bit more with you off the air and pray with you. Uh, So you hold the line. This is Money Wise Live. We're going to pause when we come back. More of your questions. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. Well, I I had a chance to chat with Warren off the air, so let me just close that story loop for you, if you will. Uh, We decided, you know what, it probably makes the most sense for him to go ahead and pay off that mortgage. So he's got some health challenges. He doesn't have anything saved up, but he's recommitted his life to Christ. He wants to handle money God's way. And so uh, given his position and the fact that he would have to be very conservative with that inheritance, uh, which really wouldn't produce a whole lot more than the savings he's going to realize by paying off that mortgage. And by the way, that's guaranteed savings. That makes the most sense, which is also going to free up a bit uh, from his budget every month that he can put into savings. So uh, he's going to pay off that mortgage, invest the 160000 and try to save as much as he can moving forward. And uh, so thankful to be able to chat with Warren today. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones and welcome Cindy to the broadcast in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Cindy, what's on your mind today? Okay. Hello. I love your program. I listen pretty much all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, About a year ago, my husband retired, and he had a 401k, has a 401k from the the employer. And uh, it's just, I'm just wondering, can we stay in that 401k, or do we have to put it in another qualified fund, like an IRA or something, or... Can that four hundred one k just kind of keep writing because we don't need it to live on. Um, it's just yes. I kind of we probably we need to just kind of keep it growing. So yes, very good. Well, that's a great question, Cindy. Um, let me ask you, how much have you accumulated in that roughly? How much is in the four hundred one k? Oh, it's not a whole lot. Ninety five. Okay. And have you been happy with it? Do you feel like it's invested appropriately? Meaning, um, is it conservative enough? given that you're now moving into a retirement season? Or is it all in a stock mutual fund, which has been doing well, but if it, uh, you know, we got into some harder times economically, you know, it might take a beating. Do you have a sense of that? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, 70-30 right now. Okay. Uh, 30, that's in uh, bonds, I guess. And okay. I don't know whether that's a good mix. Maybe we should go more into the bonds. I don't know, but it's yeah. right lately with uh, the market, it's gotten to like a 12% return, but uh, yeah, but I'm sure it's it doing quite away, well. So. Right. Yeah. 70% in stocks as you head into retirement, even though you don't need it right now, uh, by the grace of God, your bills are covered. That's phenomenal. Uh, but what we want to recognize is we want this money to last. Now, if the Lord tarries and you and your husband are in good health, you know, you could need this money to last several decades, right? Uh, you know, people are living longer. And so we want this money to be around for a long, long time, which means we want to have some growth component to it. But 70% in stocks as you're heading into retirement with a nest egg of, you know, maybe just around $100,000 is a bit much. You know, you could see a 25% decline if we got into a, you know, a real recession and the market was down significantly. So you could open your statement one day and instead of 95, you could all of a sudden have, you know, 70 
$3,000. And, you know, that would, I'm sure, be concerning to you. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, you're going to want to move, you know, more heavily toward the fixed income side. Um, in terms of leaving it there, yes, you probably can. Most uh, uh, companies will allow you to leave a 401k there uh, when you separate from the company. But um, I like the idea of rolling it to an IRA. You're going to open up many more investment options at that point. And uh, you'll have more control over the fees and expenses. Um, but I would encourage you to find an investment and in financial planning professional to help you manage this money so you're not kind of putting it on autopilot or trying to make those decisions yourself. It's a lot of money. You've spent a long time building it up. And so having a professional walk alongside you and helping you address anything else financially, you know, whether or not you need long-term care and do you still have some life insurance and is that necessary? And, you know, just kind of looking at all of those issues as your estate in order and are wills updated and do you have healthcare surrogates, those types of things. That's where a professional could really be helpful as you think about the transitions that are still to come where money's going to be in motion. Um, so I would connect with a couple of certified kingdom advisors there in Idaho. Just go to our website, uh, moneywiselive.org, click find a CKA. And I'd interview two or three, as you all have time, decide who's the best fit. And once you do, then you would just move that uh, uh, 401k over to an IRA with the institution that that investment professional uh, works through. And um, then they would manage that based on your goals and objectives, not something that they come up with on their own. So uh, that would be my best advice. But in the meantime, you can leave it right there. I probably would move it to a more conservative uh, portfolio, though, while you're making some of these decisions we just talked about. We appreciate your call today very much. Uh, Let's head to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, You're next on the program. Go right ahead. Hello, this is Shirley. Hi, Shirley. I'm so glad I get to talk to you. Um, about a week or maybe a little 10 days or so ago on the program, you were talking to someone who um, you you suggested other investment opportunities other than just CDs, which are not performing very well right now. Um, and I'm in that position where getting less than 1% or sometimes most of the time less than a half a percent yeah. just is very, makes me nervous. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm I'm in my early 80s. I'm a widow. I, my home is paid for. It has been for a long time. And I do have Social Security, but I use um, the portion I have, I am required to withdraw every year. I usually put some of that in CD um, okay. for six months, and then I spend the other portion of it. And I'm just wondering if you could um, tell me again a better place to invest than a CD. Yeah. Well, the the challenge is that, you know, there's really not a lot of great options in this low interest rate environment. So how much is it that you have? I assume it's in an IRA and then you're taking out a portion for your RMD every year. Is that right? Yes. yes. What do you have in the IRA? How much? um, I don't know. I I should have pulled the form out. It's close to 200,000. Okay. And uh, how is that invested? Uh, some in stock, some in bonds. Um, okay. I don't know the percentage. Okay, that's okay. But do you have somebody looking uh, after that for you? Yes, I do. 
Okay, very I good. I do. And so you're talking specifically not about that account, but just the amount that you're required to take out each year and where you should put it when you have a surplus. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And I've okay. had um, CDs came came due, and okay. I just put them in my savings. Okay. Because I didn't and know how what much? Else to do. What's the total of the amount outside of the IRA that you have in savings right now? Probably about sixty thousand. Okay, about 60000 All right. Um, you know, I, I think that um, you could talk to your investment professional about it. Um, you know, in terms of CDs versus savings, there's really not a whole lot. Uh, there's not a compelling case to use CDs right now. I mean, a one-year CD is paying about the same as a high-yield savings account, except you have to lock it up for a year versus having it completely liquid. Uh, a two-year CD is paying, you know, about 0.7%, so a little less than 1% to about 075 uh, You're getting one to one and a quarter on a three-year CD and about the same or less, amazingly, on a five-year. So there's just no reason to put that money. I would probably leave it in your savings um, you know, and I'd look at having a high yield savings account because, you know, at Ally or Marcus or Capital One 360, um, you know, they're all paying 0.5 to 0.6 percent right now with no fees. And it's FDIC insured and you can move the money anywhere you want any day of the week. Uh, it's completely liquid. You're not locking it up. And I would wait for the interest rates to move back up on the CDs before I bought a CD. The only other thing you might want to consider is just talking to your investment professional about whether, uh, you know, beyond the amount that would be equivalent to about a year's worth of your expenses, you know, let's say your expenses are 30,000 a year. Uh, I'd want you to keep at least that much in the high yield savings. But if your investment professional had an idea on something you could do with the other 30000 and whatever you add to it from future required minimum distributions, um, you know, that would be an opportunity perhaps to, you know, put it in some bonds or something that's going to get you a little bit more. The last thing I want you to talk to your investment advisor about is a qualified charitable distribution. One of the things you could do um, – surely is to, instead of taking that required minimum every year, you could uh, have it sent to your church or a favorite Christian ministry and satisfy your required minimum, and they get the full amount. Nobody pays any tax on it. You don't pay the tax. In fact, you get the full deduction, and the ministry gets the full amount without any tax. And so everybody wins because you're satisfying the IRS's RMD. You're getting a nice deduction. They're getting the full amount uh, coming to them. And you could even take the amount you would have sent to them out of your cash and hang on to it. Um, and then everybody, you know, you're saving money at that point. So uh, ask about a qualified charitable distribution. And I hope that uh, helps you today. We appreciate your call very, very much. Um, we unfortunately are out of time. Lupe is holding. Lupe, I'm going to ask you to continue to hold there in Oswego, Illinois. And as soon as the program is over, I will uh, connect with you and we'll see what's on your mind today and how I can help you. I don't want to cut you short since we are about out of time. Well, folks, uh, that's going to do it for us. Let me remind you, MoneyWise Live is a ministry of MoneyWise Media. It's a partnership with Moody Radio, and we rely on your financial support to do what we do every day. Our uh, literally thousands of questions that our MoneyWise coaches are answering, 
our certified kingdom advisors, our website, uh, this program we bring to you every day, all the resources in the app. That's only made possible by your generous support. Would you consider a gift here at Month End? We could sure use it. If you head over to moneywiselive.org, click the donate button. And that's the way for you to give securely and safely, and we would be grateful. Hey, let me say thank you to my team, Amy Rios, Deb Solomon, Dan Anderson, Jim Henry, and the rest. We're so glad to have you with us today. We're going to be back on Monday with another edition of MoneyWise Live. MoneyWise is a partnership between MoneyWise Media and Moody Radio. Have a great weekend. May the Lord bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.